0: This episode of Satanicast 5000 is brought to you by our sponsors, Anchor.fm, the easiest way to connect with and create your own podcast. Everything you need, 100% free. Download the Anchor app from the App Store and begin connecting today. The American Red Cross, always there in times of need. Help save a life. Take a class or make a donation. Join us today. Satanicast 5000 is a production of Funko Family Amusements, the people who brought you Biological Warfare, the board game for kids aged 10 to 14, and Let's Be Blood Brothers, our full survival knife set for children of all ages. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you for joining us. This is the very first episode of SatanaCast 5000. I'm your host, Wally Quigley. That was Royal Blood and their track, Figure It Out, to get us started on this, our inaugural episode. Thank you for joining me. I am Wally Quigley, CEO and Chairman of Funko Family Entertainment. The same people who brought to you highly toxic face paint, smear it on your face, smear it on your genitals. What is the worst that could happen? And coronavirus, the card game. So, for this first season, I got myself a co host. My co host is Dave the Owl. You've seen photos of him. Dave, say hello to all the wonderful people out there in podcast land. Dave. Dave, come on, dude. We talked about this. It's just a podcast. There's nobody in the room. You don't have to be afraid. All right. All right, Dave. Next time. Dave has a little bit of stage fright. We've been working through it with his therapist. I think it has to do with erectile dysfunction. Don't tell anyone. Uh, Dave, listen. I'm sorry. Don't look at me like that. You need to get this out in the open. We are gonna talk about this later. So first episode, and it's been quite a journey. So before we get started with like um, this week's topic, which is celebrity encounters and hero worship, uh, I thought it would be appropriate to talk about uh, where the podcast comes from the Facebook group, all that stuff a quick mission statement and a little bit of history and background about what the group is what this podcast is going to be who I am and all that stuff just for your information only so uh, El Satanico Film Intelligence Group started in April of 2018, and I know that seems like it's 20 years ago. It seems like it was 20 years ago to me, especially given all of the, the recent world events that have occurred in the past two years. But it um, started off in April 2018, and it came from a post that I saw in another horror movie group. That I was a part of. Not that El Satanico is strictly horror. We'll get to that in a second. But um, at any rate, the question for this group was, which do you prefer: the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the original? And it was a poll. It was a yes or no thing. And it was like 64, 65 percent said yes for the remake. And I basically melted down because. In no universe is the remake of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre a superior movie. And the only reason why it probably got 65% was because most of the people in this group liked the gore. Um, side note, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, whereas a lot of people think that that is one of the most graphic movies of all time. It really isn't. It's, um, it's actually largely a bloodless movie. It's just the the context of the scenes and just how it was shot and filmed that lends to the grittiness of it but we can talk about that another time anyways so i wanted to start my own group so i got together with a buddy of mine uh his name's rich wiley he is still one of the admins of the group and another friend of ours alexis woods who was an admin at the at the onset um she's no longer an admin she moved on to um doing her own artwork and putting together galleries and stuff like that she actually did the logo for the podcast so thanks for that Alexis and the three of us got together and we sort of got this group with the idea that we were going to have people talk about uh, horror movies and science fiction movies and cult movies not like movies with cults in them but the like the subgenre of cult movies and B movies too. And we we're going to talk about them with a little bit of thoughtfulness and intelligent um you know intelligent discussion, whatever, and you know just keep it low key uh twenty thirty people or whatever and, um I mean even after like a year and a half up until this past December, the group only had like fifty two fifty three people, and it was like maybe a post every once in a while last year we we toyed with the idea of doing watch parties um it was really irregular i was super inconsistent with them my bad um and so the group sort of died on the vine and it didn't really go anywhere but this past january I decided you know let's see what we can make out of this uh i had finished my master's degree in december not that i'm bragging but i'm just saying that it freed up a lot of spare time to to devote to this group so i really you know decided to um try to make it into something a bit more than it was. So like I said, Alexis wasn't an admin. So it was just rich and I. So I decided to, um, expand the group of admins to six people, um, to help me do sort of all the stuff that needs to go with a, a larger Facebook group. So the admins now are myself and my wife, Stephanie and a big shout out to Stephanie Quigley without whom none of this is possible. So thank you so much, sweetheart. Um, Danielle Vierheller. she's uh, she's awesome. She does all the unheralded stuff that kind of goes by the wayside, deleting posts that shouldn't be there and settling arguments and stuff like that. So thanks to her for, for taking care of that. Uh, my good friend Rob Kuhn, uh, who is actually going to be the first guest ever on Satanicast 5000. That will be next week. We're going to talk about animation. But, you know, whatever. Um, more on that in our, our coming soon segment of the, the program. So uh, then there's Rich and then there's Josh Morrow. Josh Morrow just joined the team as an admin, um, like in the past month. He of semi-regular memes and uh, he's been a welcome addition. So thank you, Joshua, for for coming on board. Um, so that's the six of us. I think that's six. Yeah, that's six. Anyways. Anyways. So then we really drove recruitment and we, you know, bothered people by sending unwelcome invites and all that stuff or whatever. And so um, here we are. We're up to about 270 people now as of this broadcast and we do regular watch parties uh, every Sunday night when the app doesn't fuck up or the movie that I get uh, suddenly decides not to work. Very frustrating, but (laughs) it's the limitation of, the, I guess, the technology. And and now we're here doing a podcast, which is terrific. Um, I guess you know, given the current circumstances with coronavirus, basically isolating everyone into their own little um, into their own little apartment worlds. I guess there may be a a boon of of podcasts, but we had decided to do this back in January, so none of that you know fad bullshit. We were we 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 had planned on doing this for a while. So that's the brief history of the El Satanico Film and Television Group on Facebook. Um, We have open membership if you're not a member right now, so you can just look us right up. We're real easy to find and join us. And we have a lot of great posts, a lot of great memes, discussions, watch parties, all kinds of stuff. Come one, come all. We're very accepting of anyone, anybody, anything, whatever you want. And like I said, it's cult movies, science fiction, horror that type of stuff, um, independent movies too. I should throw that in as well. So, anyways, um, who am I? Like I said, my name is Wally Quigley. I am a. Um, I work in the biotech industry. I'm from Massachusetts, um, born and raised. I spent a couple of years in Vermont um, my college years. Had to leave school, um, and then, like I said, you know i i um, I have a passion for. Horror movies, science fiction, and all that other stuff. Um, but I have a, an even greater passion for bringing people together, and um, you know, making making connections where there ordinarily wouldn't be. And I take a lot of satisfaction in that. And I've seen some friendships pop up over the course of the past two, three weeks of people that ordinarily wouldn't have met each other. And so I take a great deal of pride in that. And so. Um, it's for that reason that I'll continue to do this. It's for that reason that I'll keep doing a podcast, if only to hear the sound of my voice for however long it takes me to record these damn things. And it's a lot longer than I thought. God damn it. But anyways, um, so that's all that. And what is the mission statement? What are we all about at El Satanica? Well, um, you know, it's doesn't take a big uh translator to figure out that El Satanico, translated from Spanish means the satanic. We are not satanic cult members. We don't worship the devil. Um it is a reference, vague reference to um the character in from Dust Till Dawn played by Selma Hayek. Um it is also a reference to basically do what you will. Um that's kind of one of the central tenets of the Satanic Church is to do what thou will, as long as you don't hurt somebody else. Um, and you know, there's something to that. There's a little bit of freedom to that, um, and that's what we're all about. You know, I just think that too often, and especially in, given the, the the subject of what today's um, topic is with. Hero worship and celebrity encounters that the Hollywood machine dominates quite a bit of our film and television experience. And whereas it's not completely devoid of value, um, at the same time I think a lot of the the real good entertainment, the real good movies and television, aren't in the mainstream and aren't um, you know prepackaged and marketed with trailers and um billboards and all of that crap. Mm-hmm. So, uh that's that's going to be our main topic of of focus here. So, that's it for the introduction. And that's it for the first segment. So, we got a lot to get to for this first episode, but first, we actually have sponsors. I can't fucking believe we have sponsors that are people that are actually willing to attach their name to it, namely the American Red Cross. You never would have thought, but given in this um, in this era where we're, you know, come face-to-face with a pandemic, when an organization like the American Red Cross is super important. So here's my wife, Stephanie, to tell you more about the American Red Cross. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us. This is Satanicast 5000.
1: Hey, this is Stephanie Quigley, one of the admins on the El Satanico Film and Television Group on Facebook. I'm here today to talk to you about an organization that has impacted so many lives the American Red Cross. The American Red Cross was founded in 1881, which makes it one of the oldest nonprofit organizations in the country, and it stands today as a pillar of what a charitable organization should be. The American Red Cross is responsible for almost half the donated blood in the United States, but it provides so much more than just that to our country. The American Red Cross also provides disaster relief, emergency assistance, disaster preparedness, HIV and hepatitis C testing, CPR and AED certification and training, and much more. It's easy to take the American Red Cross for granted, which is why we've chosen to ally with them here at El Satanico, because we want to remind everyone of just how vital they are and how much they need your help. The American Red Cross is always looking for donations and volunteers. Help save a life. Take a class or make a donation. Join them today at www.redcross.org or simply call one 800 733 2767 That's redcross.org or one 800 Now let's take you back to Wally, who's about to tell you the story of the time he met Eli Roth.
0: Okay, welcome back to Satanicast 5000. Um... Like I mentioned before, this week's topic of discussion is celebrity encounters and hero worship. Um, That hero worship is really kind of geared towards the culture that we have around celebrity worship, Um, especially in the United States, especially in America. Uh, We'll get to that segment in a little bit, but right now, let's talk about celebrity encounters. And... You know if you're if you're out there um in podcast land chances are you've run into a celebrity or two in your time whether it's in like a store or by chance or um on the beach or whatever um for whatever reason i've had quite a few celebrity encounters just by circumstance um I lived on Martha's Vineyard for a couple of summers, and I ran into some, some pretty random um, celebrities while I was there. Uh, I made Tempest Bledsoe. She played Vanessa on The Cosby Show, a mint chocolate chip ice cream cone once. Uh, Treat Williams. Uh, I probably haven't heard of him. He's in a bunch of 80s and 90s movies, uh, most notably for... The uh, the members of El Satanigo, there was a movie he was in called Dead Heat in 1985 where he and Joe Piscopo play uh, zombified cops that have been resurrected through science fiction <laughs> and um, have a short amount of time to track down their killers. And that, that was a pretty good movie. You should check it out. B-movie, without a doubt. And I made Jim Belushi a cappuccino once and he sent it back four times because Jim Belushi is an asshole apparently but the one celebrity encounter I wanted to talk to you about was a number of years ago uh, that I had in Logan Airport and this was about uh, 2005-2006 and I'm sure a lot of you have heard of the actor slash director slash screenwriter Eli Roth. Um, Eli Roth is responsible for Hostel 1 and 2, uh, Cabin Fever, The Green Inferno, and he's also um, acted in a couple of movies, most notably of which was Inglorious Bastards um, as the uh, bear Jew, uh, Donnie... I forget his last name of his character. But anyways, you know what I'm talking about. So, when I ran into Eli Roth, this was... Prior to him gaining the kind of um, celebrity that he had, you know, would later go on to achieve, and this was immediately prior to the the wide the, the wide screen or wide release of his original movie Hostel. So I was in Logan Airport, and I'm sitting there on the ground, like doing a crossword puzzle or something like that, minding my own business, and up until then. I had heard about Hostel being this extremely brutal movie and it was, you know, not for everybody and people were going to run screaming from the theater or throw up in the aisles and all that stuff, which is obviously just a marketing ploy. But still, I was intrigued by it because of just the sheer um, rawness and brutality of how the movie sort of presented itself. And so I was very interested. in read on the Internet. Um, such as the internet was in 2005. And so, and I was really interested in Eli Roth too because Eli was from, or is from Newton, Massachusetts. So here is Massachusetts kid, bakes goods, totally into horror movies, all that stuff, whatever. So I'm sitting there in the terminal, and who walks past me but Eli Roth? And he was with the star of Hostel, or one of the stars of Hostel. Uh, this was a, a Czech actress by the name of Barbara Nadella Jakova and uh, I have such ease of saying that word because I myself object. No, actually I rehearsed it like 38 times, I got it wrong 36 times, and this is the 48th time I've recorded the segment. Anyways, so I saw them walk past and I was super excited. And I jumped up from my seat and there was like some businessman or whatever who was flipping through the Wall Street Journal or some shit like that. And I was like, did you know who that it was? And the guy's looking at me like, don't talk to me. You have a Metallica t-shirt on. Actually, it was a cult t-shirt. Anyways, uh, so I ran after him and I caught up to him and tapped him on the shoulder. And I was like, hey, you're Eli Roth. And he's like, holy shit. Hey, what's up, man? And I don't think that he was really prepared to be uh, recognized in the airport by just a random person. Like I said, he hadn't really gotten to that level of notoriety. I'm sure he would probably get recognized by a few people if he walked just straight through Logan Airport nowadays. Maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. He kind of faded a little bit. But he was psyched. He was, you know, there was somebody who recognized him for his work. And I was clearly into horror movies. And so, you know, we had this discussion. And so he was like, oh, well, dude, you know, we're having this this screening in, at Boston Common. You should come with me. And side story, the reason why I was in Logan Airport was because I had met this girl in a bar like two or three weeks before that. And she basically paid for my plane tickets to fly down to Florida to go see her. And so... Me being the semi-honorable person that I <laughs> that I am, I didn't want to just bail out on her to go to the screening with Eli Roth, which is what I really wanted to do. Not knowing that I could just postpone or reschedule or just get another flight or just go, like, like the next day or something like that. So I didn't go. God damn it! Anyways. Um, <laughs> I'm still mad about it. So... He invites me to go to this the, the, the screening with him, and I, I was like, no, you know, this girl paid for this plane ticket, and I gotta go see her and all that stuff or whatever. He's like, oh man, he's like, you don't gotta do that. And he tried to talk me out of it too, and I didn't listen, and I said, no, I gotta do this. So he's like, all right. So um, I had a, a H.B. Lovecraft um, paperback in my backpack. Of course I had an H. P. Lovecraft paperback in my backpack. I mean, it's, that's how I roll. So he signed it, and that was that. And that was that celebrity encounter. So why am I saying this particular story? Oh, yeah, I should finish. So I went down to Florida. It was a complete disaster. This girl lived with her older brother, and her older brother was, like, waiting at the apartment with two of his buddies, and they were like, if you get out of line, then you won't fly back to Massachusetts at all. And I was just like, why the fuck did I come down here? Anyways. Why did I tell you the story about Eli Roth, the celebrity encounter? So when I ran into him, he was he was kind of like a hero to me. You know, I, I he was this guy from Massachusetts, and um, I kind of idolized him because he basically was like making Hollywood movies. He was making he had all the stuff going on, and he was from Massachusetts. So to me, it was like there was this idea that you know that was possible. You know that it wasn't completely out of you know, out of the realm of possibility that I could someday be doing something like that. Wasn't in the cards for me, but still it was a very exciting possibility. And so for me that, that like that kind of like, I guess this is going to tail into the next segment with hero worship and celebrity culture, celebrity hero worship culture and all that stuff. For me, it wasn't like Eli Roth represented somebody who was, um, you know, on the big screen and you, You thought they were great because they were good looking or they were, you know, charming or they they could get the girl or they were, you know, like physically well built or all that stuff to me was really more of like, here's a guy that, you know, ordinarily wouldn't be arm in arm with a beautiful Czech actress and making horror movies. But here he was because, you know, the chips had fallen right and he had worked hard and all that stuff or whatever. That's sort of like kind of like my example of like what celebrity worship, how that can be a positive thing. It can also be a negative thing. And we'll get into that in the next segment, because I feel as though, um, you know, the negative aspects of it is really sort of what what dominates our culture. And all too often we idolize people for the wrong reasons. So um, anyways, that's that. So now we're going to break again. This is still SatanaCast 5000. Here is Danielle Veerheller with a message from Anchor.fm. Thank you for stopping by.
2: Hi, folks. Danielle Veerheller here to talk to you about Anchor.fm, the easiest way to make a podcast. We here at El Satanico use this amazing program slash application to make Satanicast 5000. And if you haven't heard about it before, allow me to explain. First, it's free. That's right, totally freaking free. So it already has points there. Second, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you too. You'll be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership required. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app from the App Store or go to anchor.fm to get started today. But you know who the real hero is? Wally, let's go back to Satanicast 5000, where we're going to talk about celebrity as misguided hero worship. After he's all done chewing our ears off, we'll make our first trip to Silver Hollow, where Anne Hogue Boucher is going to read an excerpt from one of her tales. Wally, take it away!
0: Okay, Dave, listen... I don't care what those commercials say, Nugenics or whatever, I don't want you messing around with any of that stuff. No, 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 no. And don't take Viagra either. Viagra is for people, it's not for out. Hey, how are you? We're back to Satanicast 5000. Um, sorry, just got in a little conversation with Dave there, still working on his problem. Um, hopefully we'll have that rectified by our next episode and he'll have the confidence that he needs to be able to talk on our podcast. Anyways, continuing our discussion of celebrity encounters and kind of moving into the, um, hero worship aspect of that conversation. And I had talked about how, um, you know, when I ran into Eli Roth, it was kind of a positive experience for me because I sort of idolized him. Because he was like local boy done good type of deal, but in this text segment, I want to talk about specifically the negative aspects of our um, celebrity culture, specifically here in the United States. Um, it appears to be more a function of the the broad reach or deep reach of Hollywood. Um, and, you know, to a lesser extent, um, you know, television um, and the actors and actresses that appear on a lot of programs that we see on network TV and cable TV. And so, um, you know, one thing about celebrity culture and it extends a little bit to well, not a little bit, but also to uh, professional sports is how we idolize um, you know, big-name actors, actresses, and pro-sports athletes. And we sort of let the everyday heroes and the, the everyday people um, in our lives kind of fall by the wayside. And we take all these people for granted for these, um, I guess, optimized versions of ourselves. That it, it almost borders on hyperbole the way that, that's, that some of these people come across on on the screen. And I think, especially now, in given in the current um, milieu, if you will, with you know we're all shut in in our apartments, and um, you know coronavirus sort of taking over our country, we start to appreciate these things a little bit more. Especially people like grocery store workers and people who work in hospitals, nurses and doctors, and that sort of thing. And I've noticed over the course of the past couple of weeks, as this sort of has taken by taking the country, that we've kind of gotten away from, you know, from that sort of celebrity worship and and sort of put our stock back into the people who have a direct impact in our lives. I mean, I know that's kind of a no-brainer statement to make, and I'm sure everybody agrees with that, but I mean, do you though? The thing is, is, you know, we pay pro athletes and Hollywood actors and actresses, millions of dollars to appear in these movies you know like marvel movies and blockbusters and um you know pro sports athletes although i don't really want to get into that it's it's basically the same deal um and they're they're, they're i mean they, they've done a lot to get to that point they've worked their tail off and they've appeared and you know you know, they've worked their way up in mid range movies and television, and all that stuff, whatever, and that's fine. But oftentimes it seems like, at least after the first two or three movies where they're paid some ungodly sum, it gets to be a little bit, it gets to be a little much, you know? And I think that's where a lot of people sort of react when, you know, you have an actor or actress get on stage at the Academy Awards and they begin to pontificate about, um, you know, politics or something that's going on in society where people react negatively in in the sense that they say, oh, you know, who the hell is this person to tell me, you know, who I should, you know, vote for in November and what policy or, you know, how I should feel about a particular issue and so on and so forth. And so there's that kind of negative aspect to it where um, we elevate them and then, Go completely berserk when they start to speak from that elevated position, and so it's 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 kind of this this um, self-perpetuating machine where it's like where, where we elevate people to to the to this sort of lofty platform where they they. And if anybody gets to that point, I mean, it it doesn't have to be like an actor or whatever. They'll start to feel like that, you know, well, maybe I should use this platform to speak to people. And it's a natural human tendency to do that. It's like, well, you know, here I am. So I might as well say something about this or that or whatever. And so I don't know. It's just I feel like it's something that has only increased exponentially since probably... The 80s. You didn't really see this sort of thing. Um, you know, I mean, there was obviously, you know, bankable stars in the 70s and early 80s, but it just seems like lately, like you have the George Clooney's and the Matt Damon's of the world and the Leo DiCaprios talking about how, <clears throat> you know, uh, addressing the UN on global warming and George Clooney talking about, you know, this issue with with whomever and i'm not gonna say his name because whatever but the it's it seems to be doing more harm than good when actresses and actresses speak out on certain things and i'm not saying that they shouldn't they should but it it it, it serves as a as yet another catalyst to split the country in 50 or in half or whatever the hell you want to call it so you know um I think largely that's a negative aspect of our celebrity culture that has has come that has come up. They, I'm not, dis, I'm not saying that they haven't done their own share of good, but I think largely when you add it all up, it it goes into the red rather than the black, and so that's one aspect, negative aspect of celebrity culture. The second one that I wanted to talk about, um, and this is a bit more personal, is a bit on how the celebrity culture, celebrity worship, and that sort of thing has sort of fueled a bit more of our collective mental illness as a country. And allow me to explain. Um, You spend your life when you're in your teenage years and in your 20s and you sort of idolize actresses and actresses that are in movies and blockbusters and all that stuff and slowly but surely you start to realize that you're not that person and you're not going to be as handsome or you're not going to be able to leap from the skyscraper onto a helicopter like the rock or necessarily be as funny as and witty um as you know um a comedic star. I almost said Kevin James there for a second because he was the only one I could think of. And that is like the least funny individual in movies today. Jesus, this is difficult. Um, But you understand what I'm saying. And you, you know, it's like you you have ideas that, you know, uh, uh, you'll be as beautiful as Selma Hayek or something like that or or, uh, Scarlett Johansson and... That fuels, at least in one aspect, regard a person's personal unhappiness that they're never going to live up to the sort of ideals that we set as individuals. We shouldn't be setting our ideals and our personal goals and like what a person, a, a, a self-actualized person, to use Maslow's term. Um, To be, you know, the true measure of a man or a woman um, should be on what they provide for society in terms of their kindness and their willingness to work hard and their um, service to the community and service to their society and a lot of times we sort of we associate these these ideals of these fictionalized versions of these people who is to say that you know all of these act and and they definitely there's definitely a million examples of celebrities that are absolute disasters the first one that comes to mind is charlie sheen and when he was going through his whole thing a few years ago, where he was going on TV completely fucked up, <clears throat> for me, anyways, it was sad to watch because I grew up in you know in the '80s and watching Charlie Sheen on, in movies like Young Guns and um, so on and so forth. And he was, you know, again, like in the '80s, he was one of these idealized versions of what. You know, uh, a kid or or a guy should be in his 20s, handsome, charming, got the girl in the movies, all that stuff. And to see him sort of break down all these years later, completely coked out of his head, holed up in some mansion um, with porn stars and just and like reveling in it, too. It wasn't just that he was, you know, it was like the sort of... um, like behind the scenes super sad look at like he was like happy about on like it was almost like that that personality from the movie screen had somehow transfected its way into his real life and it was sad to watch because you knew at some point either one of three things happen um he was either going to be institutionalized he was going to end up in the hospital or he was going to die and fortunately, he was able to sort of pull himself out of that. And I think he has a couple of years of sobriety now. But I think celebrity culture in some way fuels quite a bit of that kind of mental illness where there's a disassociation between what we, who we are as people and what we aspire to be. And because it's presented to us in such a pervasive manner where it's on... It's at the cinemas every Friday and Saturday night. Um, And it's on television and Netflix and all of these different streaming options where it's just we're bombarded with these images of what this is what you should be. This is how you should, these, these are the ideals you should live up to and so on and so forth. It gets very difficult to pull yourself away from that and just sort of appreciate the guy who comes to pick up your trash. I know that sounds like kind of a weird metaphor to to make, but hear me out. If the trash man doesn't come every Saturday to pick up the garbage from outside your house, that garbage is going to sit there. And then you're going to keep making garbage and keep making garbage and keep making garbage until there's a giant landfill outside of your house. And I don't know if you know or not, but trash generally tends to attract disease and bacteria and animals and all that stuff so if the trash guy doesn't come to your back door uh, you have some serious issues but you don't idolize it because it's like oh well that guy's doing his job well I mean you know take a moment to appreciate it and I think that I mean again it it may be kind of a, um, a tenuous comparison to make but I just I think given the circumstances that we're under right now it's it's definitely one that I think a lot of people are opening their eyes to because you know you ha i've I've seen posts on Facebook admiring the grocery store workers just for going to to work because they're considered essential and so they have to go and you know so we can still get toilet paper and milk and shit like that. Never in a million years would we ever appreciate those types of people because we're so caught up in celebrity worship. I think it fuels their mental illness and and some of their issues and some of their disconnection, and it fuels ours as well. It feels like there's some large machina... I'm not saying it's conspiracy theory and it's Illuminati-controlled, but I feel like there's, there's, there's just something unhealthy about it. The last part I want to talk about, it being a negative thing, that we were kind of caught up in this celebrity worship thing, is the actors and actresses that appear in independent movies, cult movies, science fiction, blah blah blah, to bring it back home to El Satanico. The actors and actresses that appear in independent movies and television that it kind of goes um, under the radar. And I'm going to name a, just a quick couple of examples and I'll leave you there. Um, after that, we are going to go to Silver Hollow. Ho Boucher. She's gonna share a short story with us. Um, our segment of her short story. Um, and it's gonna be great. But real quick, um there is a series that's out on Hulu, I believe, called The Man. No, it's Amazon. Uh The Man in the High Castle. And yes, Amazon is not an independent thing or whatever, but um two performances in that series by Alexa Davalos and Rufus Sewell um, really carried that series and didn't get nearly the level of notoriety and celebrity that maybe, um, you know, the stars of the Handmaid's Tale did, um, or, you know, other series that have, that, you know, kind of like went through the roof, like Game of Thrones. But those are two performances that I think you should pay attention to. And, um, they went under the radar. They're not huge celebrities and they don't have the whole, you know entourage with them, but um, definitely check that series out. And then another two I wanted to point out from the movie *Hereditary*. It's funny because I just mentioned *The Handmaid's Tale*. One of the stars of *The Handmaid's Tale* was in *Hereditary*. Her name's Anne Dowd. Um, I believe she's a villain in both um, in both features, but she comes across in *Hereditary* like she's this really caring. Nice person to the to um 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 Co- Tony Collette's um lead. Uh, she meets her in a um in a um loss uh support group and she comes across, like I said, like this very caring person. But there's something very sinister about her character. And without any spoilers, her performance is so convincing as um as someone who really seems to care about. Uh, Tony Collette's character, but she cares about her for nefarious purposes. And then um, Millie Shapiro in that movie definitely doesn't fall in the mold of um, the attractive, cute little kid that appears in the TV series that's the bankable star. She's actually, I think she was cast because she was so unique looking and had such a kind of a unique presence as the child who, um, um, well, again, spoilers, (laughs) telephone pole. Um, but she was cast in that role and just, she, I don't think she said more than two sentences in that, in that movie, but her performance was fantastic too. And I think that one of the kind of side effects of this Predominantly separate celebrity culture is that you know great performance like the like those fall by the wayside. But I've talked long enough. This segment's been 17 minutes. I need to go get a drink, maybe a Coke Zero or Sprite Zero. They're delicious too. But anyways, so Anne hogue Boucher is an author, and uh, I believe she is also a therapist. She is a multi- multi-talented individual and we are happy and proud to bring her a segment or bring you a segment of her from uh one of her short stories so let's go on down the silver hollow see you in a bit
3: i'm anne hogue boucher author of now entering silver hollow and mercy hospital thank you for listening to satanicast 5000 this is an excerpt from my currently unpublished short story the program. If you'd like to join us in Silver Hollow, visit my website at silverhollowstories.com. Harper sat back at his dingy desk. He set his cup of coffee aside and tore open his candy bar. He shut down his leads on screen and pulled their files. It didn't take long to input the same thing over and over for his cases, even typing with one hand. As he ate, he turned to his report to see what lackluster assignment awaited him and dropped his sweet on the desk from his mouth. Lulu Bell's face stared back at him from inside the file. Her wide-eyed, round face, generous lips, and straight-edged nose betrayed a woman aging gracefully, at least in Harper's opinion. Sure, she had a few more wrinkles around those dark brown eyes than she did in her 20s, but what woman didn't when they were pushing 40? And who gave a shit? Her long, dyed, auburn hair, it had once been jet black in her younger days, hung in his sweep to one side. Though it was a driver's license photograph, Harper knew her. She looked incredible. A territory ID, and she looked like she belonged on the cover of a magazine. Harper swallowed hard, the bite of candy bar settling into his stomach with what he could have sworn was an audible plopping sound. His gut clenched around the food. It wasn't fright that caused his innards to rebel or his heart to slam into his sternum. It was Love. He had loved Lulu Bell the first time he saw her burlesque act in Vegas. She could sing, dance, and put on a show that lit up all his senses. She acted in films, and to his delight, wasn't just a pretty face. She could act, taking on unbelievable roles and making them believable. His eyes poured over the pages of the report. He felt like they'd reconnected over long-lost years, as though he'd been out of touch with his lover, Lulu. Or Laura Bujol. She had stopped all public appearances and vanished after her terrible car accident. All her political bullshit that caught the attention of the program didn't matter to him. No. He didn't care who ran the government, as long as he had a job and his money still mattered. Seeing Lulu Bell mattered. This was a chance to be near the one woman he admired, fantasized about, and popped off to. That mattered and she knew it. She was calling out to him through that photograph. Why else would she bother to emerge with a territory ID that would wind up on his desk? Forgetting about his coffee for the time being and chucking his candy bar into the waste bin, he pored over the report several times. Harper read every sentence five times as the reality of the situation settled like a warm blanket on a below-zero night. Lulu possibly financing terrorists brought him one step closer to her. He didn't believe in supernatural gods, but fate was different. Fate was patterns of the universe leading individuals to their true destination, and that made sense. As he scanned the file, Harper realized fate wanted them to be together, as if it were an answer to an unuttered prayer. Harper never talked about his deep admiration of Lulu for fear of being called a weirdo. A former friend told him years of devotion hovered near obsession, but it wasn't unhealthy, he thought. He had collections of her films on Blu-ray, DVD, but collectors did stuff like that. The agent had a scrapbook of her shows, but nothing absurd or unusual. He loved her, but who didn't? Stupid people didn't love her. Stupid people with no taste. Per the report, Lulu had worked on her memoirs while at her modest home in nashville Lake. She continued to assist the PIP whenever they asked. Once sure he was dealing with an innocent or sure she was a threat, he would move. Either way, he would get close. Either way, Mills would get close. The coffee got cold when he set the pages aside, but he didn't bother to get up for a fresh one. Instead, Harper worked on getting surveillance in place. He would have to take his time and move by inches. But that was okay. Anything he enjoyed took time. And eventually, he'd enjoy Laura Boujo, his Lulu Bell. He'd waited this long. A few more months didn't matter when they would spend eternity together. Thank you for listening. <laughs>
4: Hi kids, Joshua Morrow here. And yes, also one of the admins on El Satanico Film and Television Group. Wally, our fearless leader, said that he was going to cut off my hands if we each didn't record a promo. So, I took it that seriously. Here we go. On Sunday night, Satanico Vision, April 5th. Garth Marenke's Dark Place, starring Matt, Barry, and Richard Ayoade. April 12th. The Cabinet of Dr. Calgary, considered by many to be one of the first horror movies ever. April 19th, Better Off Dead, John Cusack, I Want My Two Dollars! And lastly, on April 26th, The Running Man, starring The Governator and Richard Dawson. Sub-Zero, now playing Zero. All showtimes are at 9pm Eastern Standard Time. Next week on the podcast... Host Rob Kuhn and Wally will be discussing Subversion in Animation. That episode drops on April 15th. Two weeks after that, on April 29th, Wally will be joined by longtime collaborator Justin Julio to discuss the 16th and a half greatest horror movie of of all times decided by people who just don't like horror movies. We have a full slate of programming on both Satanico Vision and Satanicast 5000 coming up in April. Plus, all the usual post, discussion, memes, and all you could possibly ever want. I'm from a Facebook group. Hooray! El Sotanico Film and Television Group. If you aren't a member today, join. Now let's return you now to Wally for our closing credits.
0: Alright, boys and girls, it looks like we have come to the end of our very first episode of satanicast 5000. Thank you for joining me. My name is Wally Quigley. I've said that about 750,000 times this episode, but I'm going to say it one more time because I just love hearing the sound of my own voice and the sound of my own name. I want to thank all the people who were involved in producing this particular episode, namely my wife, Stephanie Quigley, Daniel Veerheller, Josh Morrow for their segments, and Hoag Boucher for, for being gracious enough to come on and share some of her fiction with us. We're going to make that hopefully a reoccurring uh, segment. And then we're going to be seeing her a little bit later on this season for a very, very special episode. I'm not going to spoil it just yet. Well, you can look on the website and see the whole season lineup. But I won't you, I'll let you figure it out. Um, I also want to thank my daughter, Autumn, for helping me out with the trailer, um, for coming in and, and, you know, doing that with me. Um, It's always good father-daughter bonding, having your daughter utter profanity on a podcast trailer. But anyways, um, so thank you so much and looking forward to uh, seeing you guys the rest of the way. Uh, A lot of great stuff. Next week, Rob Kuhn and I, we're talking about animation. It's going to be awesome. We get into arguments, fisticuffs, and ennui. Talk to you soon. Take care. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay El Satanico.